So I have good experience with yuck over my life, uh, maybe more than others, mainly because I've been a youth pastor for like 12 years, and there's just always been reasons to eat gross things or have gross things dumped on you or all of these things. But it started from an early age, like even in, uh, when I was in youth group as a kid, before I even came to this church, we did this contest called a Trisket eating contest. And I hate Triscuits alone. Like, that's yuck enough for me. But um, there was this, this contest, and they, their slogan used to be, you can put anything on a Triscuit. Well, we pushed that to the limits, okay? And so we played this game, like, kind of in two levels. Like, there was, like, the first round. And the first round was straight up a gold, live goldfish on the Triscuit. And you just had to, like, eat the, eat the Triscuit with the live goldfish, okay? Then we decided to up the ante the next time. And the next time we, did, we decided to go with like more of layers of food. It was like a parfait of yuck. Um, and it was like, toma- like certain things were always about like tomatoes, but there was like dog food on it as well and all these things. So that was like my first early experiences with eating something gross. Then when I like came here, you know, as an intern, they were like, you're gonna eat all of the gross things we have, okay? So at one point I ate a a worm sandwich, which eating one earthworm is not so bad, okay? Because you can kind of just like slurp it down like some spaghetti, like, and it's down, okay? That's not that big of a deal. But a sandwich full of them when you take, and it's between two pieces of bread, when you take a bite of it, you would be surprised at how hard it is to bite through an earthworm, let alone like 20 of them in the sandwich. So I bit down and I didn't want to bite anymore, but I didn't get a bite of sandwich. So I had to keep gnawing away at the sandwich till I got a bite of it, it's yuck. It was yuck, okay? Uh, we've eaten all sorts of bugs, like crickets and, and, and mealworms and all sorts of things. I've, I've experienced the stinkiest of cheeses. There was this one cheese we, we had in, in a youth group a long time ago. We, we blended it and it smelled the whole room up and everyone had to like leave because it was so gross and I had to drink this, I don't know, it's all the time. And then I, I, at home, I'm like the puke and poop handler, okay? Uh, does it make me gag? Yes, but do I puke? No, and that's the difference between me and my wife, Julie, which makes me the puke and poop handler, okay? And so if any time, like the dog, when we had little kids, it was just like that. I remember when I, even even long time ago, I was babysitting this kid, and he was like two, and I, and I grew up with this kid, and he's sitting between the couch and the uh, uh, coffee table, and he's just kind of laying there all peacefully, which is not like him at all. And I was like, oh, what's that little guy doing? He was pooping, okay? And he pooped so much. And it was like my first, I, I, I was like the second time babysitting anyone, let alone a two-year-old, okay? And I get, I get him there, and all of a sudden I pick him up. And it, because he was like laying down and it was kind of runny, it was just like every, everywhere, okay? Now I have this yuck baby in my hands and so all of a sudden I'm, I'm having to like give a baby a bath you know and I'm like I don't know I'm 13 years old I'm supposed to give a baby and I, yuck all right and so there's always some weird experiences uh when you're when you have an infant there's this thing called a nose Frida okay has anyone ever heard of a nose Frida okay what this is okay it's a straw that you stick in your child's nose and then there's a tube on the other side and yeah you suck out the snot out of your kids' bathrooms, like out of their noses, okay? Yuck, okay? So there, I, I just, I have experience with this stuff, okay? And yuck 
something I'm very familiar with in my life. And for the next couple weeks, we are going to talk about yuck in life. And yeah, we're going to have some fun and talk about the like actual yuck things, you know, the material yuck things. But also, we're going to talk about just dealing with yuck emotions in life. We're going to talk about things like yuck of feeling afraid, yuck of anger, yuck of complaining, yuck of another one called drama. That's yuck. Is yuck. I don't like it. And so there's a lot of yuck in life. And we want to help teach you guys how to handle the yuck because the yuck will come. All right, there will be yuck in life. And so how do we react when that comes? How do we honor God when the yuck, living in the yuck? How do we live our lives honoring him as, as a follower of Jesus, but when we experience the yuck of those things? So for tonight, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about the yuck of feeling or being afraid. That's a yuck feeling. Being afraid can be such like this involuntary response to things as well. So like we were talking, like the youth staff, and it was like, what are, what are high school students of Grand Junction, Colorado, what are they afraid of? What, what is it? And so what I want to do is I want to ask you guys. And so what I want you to do, though, is I don't want you to think like clowns, snakes, spiders, but let's talk a little bit, and I want you guys' this input, and we want to know what are you, is it that you guys are afraid of? What are things that you were like, aren't sure about, like fear of what are you afraid of? So start shooting out ideas. What are you afraid of? Growing up. I don't want to grow up because I'm a Toys R Us kid. You guys don't know that song because you're not 33. Um, Dang it. Adulting. Okay. They're afraid of adulting. That's different than growing up. Okay. Growing up, you have to do. Adulting, you also have to do, but it's different. Okay. Taxes. I don't understand why they don't teach you how to do taxes in high school because I'm 30, I don't know how to do my taxes. I don't know. I'm like, here's the money. Do my taxes for me and tell me how much money I gave the government wrongly. Uh, what's something else? Work? Homework. I'm afraid of homework. Okay. I, I also didn't like homework. All right, what else? Come on. Need something else? What? Death? Death. That makes sense. Death is scary. Uh, de- death of a lost one. Okay, losing a loved one. Losing a loved one would be how we would put that one. That's scary. Losing a pet. Or so a loved one. I said a loved one. Of course that means a pet. Right? I don't know. Uh, what would you say? Being alone. A fear of being alone. That's a good one. Right? Like we, we want to we want to be around people. And it's funny how like we're, we have these devices in our pockets at all times that could connect us with anyone and yet even those times where we have that device and we could reach out to anybody there's still times where man we still feel alone anybody else something else crowds fear of crowds honestly and and maybe some of us we didn't fear crowds until the last like 18 months and all of a sudden it was like are we supposed to be scared of that's a that's a busy place am I supposed to be scared of going in to that crowd and and some of the things of like our culture and our re- the reality of today has caused us to be fearful of things like somebody like remember like when people used to stand this close to you in a line and you didn't weren't bothered by it now all of a sudden you're standing in line and if somebody is within three feet of you you're like I, get a, like you want to do a donkey kick to them and stuff I, I get it what's up uh, yeah not having a purpose, no purpose in life. That's a great one. We, we, we do this thing where we, we are f- afraid of not having a purpose in life, living a life that's just aimless. What's up? 
being replaced, whether that's with a friend or at home. You know, you, your parents split up and your dad gets remarried and you're, you're wondering about that or they have another kid. All of these things can happen and, or, or maybe just on a team. You're like, if I don't keep practicing and I don't keep doing these things, then you have a fear of maybe being replaced. Let's do like two more. Let's go up there. Zach. Failure, fear of failure, absolutely. It's just like, I want to do my best. I want to do like the things in life. I want to be successful, but if I try, then I could succeed. But also when I try, I might fail. Let's do the last one right here. Fear of the future, that's a great one. That, that where it's just like, uh, it's so unknown. And, and no one, you know, tw in 2020, February of 2020, could have said in 2021 we would be here right now. And, and now all of a sudden we're just like, well, if I didn't know my future had this in store, what else is my future going to be in store? And all of a sudden we, we, we let that fear and that being afraid, that yuck, start to settle in into our hearts and our minds. And then we let those things start to affect our decisions. We let them start to affect how we plan for our future because we are afraid of our future. We start letting it affect how we grow up because we're afraid of growing up. We start affecting how we interact with people or being in crowds because we are afraid of those things. And so we have all this stuff. Maybe some other things you're afraid of is just like, getting canceled, you know, or like, you know, you've done something. And if anybody ever found out about that thing you did, you're like, no one would, I, I would be canceled. No one would want me. Right. And so you have all of these things. Now there's a story in the Bible that shows a lot about how people react to this yuck of being afraid, how they react when they're afraid. And it's actually a whole group of people. It's called the Israelites. And we're going to kind of, I, I want to drop into this story at a point, but I kind of need to give you a little background. So if you didn't know, the Israelites, when they first were sort of a people, not necessarily a nation yet, they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Like they were just, the, their, their group of people served the Egyptians as slaves and for a very long time. And God wanted to deliver them from Egypt. So he sent a man named Moses to them. And with Moses, Moses went to the Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no. Because why would he? He has a free workforce to build all of the things he has in life. Why would he let it go? So he says, no. And then he says, you really should say yes. And he still says no. And says, okay, well, check this out. And Moses drops the stick turns into a snake, and he's like, whoa, no. And he still says no, right? And so then all of a sudden, Moses is like, it's only going to get worse from here. And he's like, I don't care. I'm not going to let the Israelites go. I need them to build me pretty statues of, of sphinxes and pyramids. I don't know what they build. It's, you know, I'm a youth pastor, not a historian of ancient cultures. So he goes, and so what God does to, to force Pharaoh's hand and in, into letting his people go is he sends 10 plagues. And a plague is like awful things, okay? Like one was literally all the water in Egypt turned into blood, all right? Frogs came out of everywhere, flies, uh, fire from heaven fell, darkness, like all of a sudden it just turned dark for this, like locust came. Uh, crazy stuff happened, all right? Like economy shattering, world change, like things. And they weren't just mild inconveniences. They were really bad. And so by the end of this, 
Pharaoh's like, get out of here. I need you to leave, and I want you to get out of here. Okay, so God gets Pharaoh to say, sure, Israelites, get out of here. I can't handle any more frogs and flies and bugs of any kind. I can't handle it. And so he says, go. And so they got to leave Egypt without anyone stopping them. There was no fight. There was no like try like yell of freedom and then like trying to like break through. No, it was just they got to walk out. And while they walked out, they got to loot the Egyptians. They were just like, is this yours? No, it's not. It's mine. And they kept walking, right? And they got to gather things, and they gathered riches from Egypt, right? They owned Egypt in that moment, okay? And so as they walked, they, were, they, they got that. And after all of this, why would Israel be afraid of anything? After literally going, there is no way Pharaoh is going to let us just go scot-free. And then watching all of these plagues and all these things happen, and God showing his power, why would he do that? But it's interesting if we look at this verse and we, we jump into the story in the Bible in the book of Exodus. God directs the Israelites to the shore of the Red Sea in Exodus 13, 17 through 18. When Pharaoh finally lets the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine tor- territory. Even though that was the shortest route to the promised land, God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness to the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. They left Egypt like an army for battle, but God was like, you ain't ready for no battle. I'm not going to go through that way, right? And so God knew these people were kind of pansies, okay? He knew that, all right? And, and, and if they face any kind of battle or obstacle, they're going to tuck tail and they're going to run back to Egypt back to slavery. But at the same time, God also wanted to deal with the fact that he knew that they were afraid and that they would do that. And so he kind of goes on. But honestly, when we think about it, the same can go for us. God knows what we can handle. And if we're listening to his leadership, and, and he won't have us walk. And if we're, we're asking him for guidance in our life, he won't walk us into a situation that would cause us to want to go back to our old life. He wants us to stay focused. He wants us to stay close to him, continuing to follow him. And he's not gonna, he knows those types of situations that if, we, if he leads us into those situations, there's a difference between God leading us into a situation and us going and walking ourselves right into the middle of a situation. But if God leads us, he won't, he won't do that because he knows what we can handle. He knows there's times you're afraid, but he is just waiting till the right time to show you you don't need to fear. So let's go back in the story. Exodus 14, 1 and 4 says, Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses, ordered the Israelites to turn back and camp by that place, between Migdal and the sea. Camp there along the shore, across from that other place. Then Pharaoh will think, the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after you. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. So they're roaming around, and then randomly God says, you know what, turn back and go ahead and hang out by the shore, right by the sea. Now, obviously, they knew they couldn't get, you know, they, they weren't going to get attacked from the Red Sea, from the ocean, you know, from that seaside. But at the same time, God is literally putting them in a very disadvantageous place 
as far as being attacked. And God is telling Moses exactly what's going to happen. He's going, hey, here's what I'm going to do. Probably don't let the Israelites know, but I'm going to send you guys back to the Red Sea around the shore, and then I'm going to send the Egyptians. Okay, it's going to be so, they're going to freak out. It's going to be awesome. You know, so it's like God knows exactly what he's doing, all right? And he's so, if you know where this story is going, it's super interesting that Moses knew the plan the whole time. Like, the dude knew that Pharaoh and all of that army was going to come after them, and yet he still led all of those people from Israel right back to that shore. Pharaoh does exactly what God says. Obviously, because he's God, and he knows exactly what Pharaoh's going to do. He brings every single chariot and horse he has to come get the Israelites. And so, he, so the Israelites are, are by the shore, and they see the Egyptians coming from, from the other side. And their backs are literally against the ocean. They can't go that way. They're not good swimmers, all right? And so they're like, what are we going to do? And this is their response. And it's a very whiny and cowardly response, as God suspected, as realized that was in their heart, that they were afraid. Look at this in Exodus 14. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked. When they saw the Egyptians overtaking them, they cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. So, clearly they have some issues, right? Clearly they're upset about this now. And so it's, it's wild, though, that after everything they had seen God do, they see the Egyptians and they're immediately afraid. And then when that yuck of being afraid steps in, they immediately have this response. And this is the response. One, they panicked. All right, they panicked big time. It says that they started, they, they, they saw them and they became immediately afraid and they panicked. They forgot everything that God had already done. They did not have, they did not go, you know, well, maybe God will deliver us. Maybe God, he's already gotten us this far. They didn't ask the question, they didn't ask the question, why would God? They looked at Moses and they said, why did you take us out of Egypt? And that's another thing that, that they did because they were afraid. They immediately started blaming Moses for this fear. They became afraid and they started blaming Moses for their problem. They lashed out in anger, clearly, and they got dramatic about it. Did you read how many times they said stuff like, we're going to die, there was graves for us in Egypt, better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness? They get poetic about it. They're real dramatic in this moment. And I think, can anyone like relate though to this reaction a little bit? Like, I'm a grown man. I, I am, yes. But you put me in a room and then you also put a snake, like a big snake in that room or not even a big snake probably, like any kind of... I, I, I'm, I will not be acting like a grown man at that moment, okay? I will completely forget every logical fact that I know about snakes or about, you know, self-defense or any of those things. I'll forget it all, and I'm going to be screaming like a little girl. Uh, I will be saying aggressive, colorful, four-letter words to whoever put the snake in said room, okay? They will be feeling the wrath of Joe at that moment, and you will see drama, okay? You will, from me... There, there's not a cool, calm, collected person in that room. There's a very dramatic Joe in that room, okay? And I'm a grown man, but I don't like snakes. But that's what happens when we get afraid. And, and, and I'm not that afraid of heights, you know? Like, heights is, I'm okay kind of standing, like, next to a cliff. 
But if somebody decides to do something stupid, like, ooh, like one of those things, don't, don't touch me when I'm uh, like in a high perilous place. All right. If you start messing with me, I start like quick kicking and swinging at you because, because I'm, I'm fine at first. Right. But then all of a sudden, no, no, no. I, I I'm going to panic. I'm going to get dramatic about it. I'm not just going to be like, Hey, please stop touching me in, in that moment. There's none of that. All right. It's going to be scream, kick, tell them to something and then sell them to stop. Okay. But for real, we're afraid. And we, we're afraid we're not going to make the team. or We're afraid of growing up. We're afraid of being replaced. We're afraid of being alone. All of these things. Uh, and when we are afraid, we often forget what God has already gotten us through in life. We forget those things. We get embarrassed that we're afraid and, and try and blame someone. We're just like, uh, we, we don't like feeling afraid. We don't like that because it feels weak. And all of a sudden, we're starting to blame somebody else for why we're afraid. You know, like, why did you put the snake in the room? The snake's not a great illustration for this. But, you know, like, uh, you're, we're, we're blaming someone for having to grow up now because our parents kicked us out of the house. And we were scared of growing up. But they've decided, no, it is time for you to grow up. And so now we're blaming them for our fear, or we're blaming the government for being scared of crowds, or, or you know, we're, we're starting to, to do that, and we get angry about stuff, and we get dramatic about things. I'm going to fail this test and this class, and because I fail this test, I'm going to fail this class, and because I fail this class, I'm not going to graduate. I'm going to live in a van down by the river, right? We get dramatic sometimes. Well, you know, we're just like, if I don't get into that school, I'm going to die, Right? We, we, we say these exaggerated, dramatic things. If, if, he, if we ever break up, I'm just, I'm just going to be alone forever. Or I'm never going to love again. Yeah, and it's like, you know, you've been dating for three weeks, and this is the type of thing. Because you're afraid of being alone. You're afraid of that heartbreak. And so those, those, that fear, that being afraid, that yuck, causes us that, that reaction. When we experience things that make us afraid, our response is much also like the Israelites. When we are afraid, our response is to go back to what we know. The Israelites were not, did not want to be Why would they want to be slaves? Why would they want to go back to that? Well, in that moment, being afraid, that was all they knew. That was safe. That was almost a comfort to them. They said, you know, at least I can be there. I will be safe and comfortable. And I think sometimes for us, we do the same thing. I'm afraid to try. I'm afraid to fail. Or I'm afraid of being alone. Or I'm afraid of growing up. So I'm going to go back to that relationship that I, that I know wasn't good for me, but it was safe. It was comfortable. I'm going to go back to that lifestyle, like going to those parties, you know, because that was something that at least I knew there was people there and, and they, they cared about me. I'm going to go back to that, that, that website I'm going to go back to that drug. I'm going to go back to that TV show. All of those things, there's comfort in what is familiar because it feels safe. Even if it's not what's best for you, even if it's not what God wants for you, sometimes what's familiar is safe. But God is saying, don't let that fear stop you from getting something more. Don't let the, that fear or that being afraid cause you to go back to where you were because I have more for you if you keep going forward. So sometimes God will allow us, yes, to avoid things that will cause us to be afraid and turn back. And other times he's just going to go, 
Go. And he's going to push us into situations where now all of a sudden we are afraid. I am afraid to fail, God, but he's going, it's okay. We're going to get you through this. And he's going to get you maybe back into a corner where you have no choice but to trust him because that fear is settling in and you're not sure if you're going to make it and you're not sure if it's going to work out. And he's going to, but he's going to push you into those situations, but he's not going to leave you there. One of my favorite verses is this next verse in Exodus. It says, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. And this one right here, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Don't get angry. Just, just stay calm. Don't, don't get dramatic. Just, just stay calm. Don't, don't panic. Don't panic in this moment. I know it's scary. I know it's something, and then that yuck feeling is settling in, but, but just stay calm because I'm here. When we're afraid, when you are in danger, God will come to fight for you every time. He will do miracles. And I love God's response in this moment. He says this, Exodus 14, one more time. He says, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the waters so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Like that's a common occurrence in life. It's for a sea to just split in half and for people to walk through. He's like, what are you doing here? Walk, go through. And he's like, I don't, I don't know what to do, Father. And so in that moment, it's so funny because he's just like this dad trying to get his family to the airport and he's like kind of grumpy about it. He's just like, hey, what are you doing? Why are you crying? Why don't you dress? Go ahead. Why aren't you? Get up. Put your shoes on. Walk. Go. And so he's, he's just like, hey, do this. And sometimes God will give us, cause us, have us do things. He's going to say, I'm going to show you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to fight for you. But get up. Move forward. What are you doing crying out to me? He's like, what you got to do is you got to take that test. I know you're scared of failing it, but you got to take that test. I know, you, you, I know you're scared of getting rejected at school, but hey, put in the application. I know you're scared of being alone, but hey, why don't you go talk to those people and just be nice to some people and just see if they want to hang out with you. Like he's going to, every once in a while, he's going to say, what are you doing just standing here? Go, go do something. And, and yeah, he's going to say, I know you're afraid. But I've got you, but I need you to get up and move forward. And God, in this just awesome way, splits the sea. Moses comes in, boom, splits the sea. They walk through the sea, and the Egyptians are still chasing them. And by the time the Israelites are completely out of the ocean or the sea, all right, I don't know the difference. So they get out of the sea, right? All the Egyptians are in the middle of the sea. They also were like, well, this is convenient because now I can just also go through the Red Sea. So they are taking their chariots and they're going down the middle and God, boom, whoop, swallows them up with the sea. He collapses the walls of whatever. I don't even know what it looked like, but they were washed away. And so why did God do this? One, I think he was trying to intimidate some people. Because he knew Israel was going to have the Egyptians thinking about it would be nice to have these Israelites to come back and, you know, to wash our things and to build us stuff. So let's go get them again. But also any other nation that they're going to be facing now is going to know exactly what happened to the Egyptians. And every other nation is going to go, 
we don't mess with those people because their God does some crazy stuff. And so he did it to intimidate, but also he did it to show his kids that they don't need to be scared because dad's got them. That they, they can walk around with some serious, like, my dad can beat up your dad's swag. That's like what he did all of this for. So everywhere they went, they were just, they, they didn't have to be afraid because they had Papa Bear standing behind them, ready to pounce. That's the kind of thing. And so can you. You can walk around with that, my dad will beat up your dad kind of swag. God wants you to show you that you don't need to be afraid. The Bible actually says, do not be afraid 177 times. That exact sentence, do not be afraid 177 times. If he says it more than once, we should be paying attention to it. But 177 times, he doesn't want us to live life with that yuck. He doesn't want us to live that life being afraid. So when the yuck of being afraid comes, hey, don't panic. The Lord himself will fight for you, so just stay calm. Number two, remember what God has already done for you. Remember what he's gotten you through. Remember all of those things in your life that you thought, there's no way I'm getting past this, but God came through. Remember those things. Don't try and blame other people for why you're afraid. Just stay calm. Don't get angry because God wants to bring you peace in the presence of that fear, in the presence of that yuck, because God's got you. You don't need to get angry because God's going to cover you. And don't get dramatic. You aren't dead. You're okay. God's got you. And remember his promises. Remember his promises that he has for your life and, and, and all of these things. In Isaiah 41, 10, it says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God and I will strengthen you and help you and I will hold you up with my victorious hands. When those, when those tough battles happen, when that fear and that being afraid comes into your life, know that God has got you, that he's holding you up and that he's watching out for you. So let's pray. God, we love you so much and we thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Father, for being better than anything else in this world, being bigger, stronger, more powerful, more mighty, more awesome than anything in this life. And so we have no reason to be afraid in life because you are with us, God. And so in those moments when the yuck of being afraid comes into us, God, I pray, Lord, that you would bring peace, you would bring hope, you would bring an assurance that you are with us and that you will never leave us nor forsake us, God. We love you and just in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.